Today is April 9th, 2019. This is Poet Kind Podcast, and I'm your host, Susan Mulder. It's National Poetry Month, and we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to keep it short and sweet for a few weeks, and I'm going to read a couple of poems, then share with you what I'm reading as a way to introduce you to some different poets, or invite you to rediscover ones you're already familiar with. Let's get started. I'm going to begin by reading two of my own pieces. A little side note, mostly I'm reading these for practical reasons that have to do with getting permissions, but I'll see about reading some different works in the coming weeks, so please bear with me. I'm going to share two pieces. The first will be hope-worn, and the second, dry bones. Hope-worn. I'm tired of wealthy prophets with their elevated platforms, soft words spoken to move the multitudes, freedom that speaks emptiness to my truth. I'm bored of the lyrical, the beautiful, the right. Where is my world in them? I'm sick of politic that shifts with the wind, of rhetoric and swollen promises made to the few meant to break the masses. I'm exhausted of this world where love is suspect and life a balloted argument, wearied by those who speak a prophesied peace while feasting like ravenous vultures on those whose real peace wears dusty sandals and dirty hands. This weariness, though, is worn out by hope. One for a world where love is breathed into the hollow places, supped on, filling famished hearts. One that is written in the sky, a tenet of practice laid bare in blistered hands, with evidence and trace of an overflowing to obliterate a compassionate void. Dry Bones Come, live, old dry bones, gather. Your splinters and fragments rise. Free your dust, the wind to lift, swirl, no random trace to course, but designed to mark, to fill in gap and break. Sketch out the hollow, places taking on form, collect old breath, filling the empty, inhale, draw deeply and deeper still until thigh and breast expand, fingertip, Vein and tongue unroll, tremble, and there each particle, each atom waits, quivering until at a single touch the ashen scatter coalesces, begins new beat and throb while holy water falls to quenching. I have been accused of having eclectic taste, which I always take as a compliment. I read almost anything that strikes my fancy and have seldom been disappointed. The following are six books that I'm currently working through. The first one is called Illocality, and it's by the poet Joseph Massey. A few years back, I was participating in Modpo, which is modern and contemporary American poetry, and it's a course through Coursera. And if you aren't familiar with this free open source platform, I highly recommend you look into it. ModPo is a phenomenal course out of UPenn and the Kelly Writers House. It's led by Al Filarius and his remarkable team of TAs. I could spend an entire episode just talking about this online course, but I'll save that for another time. Back to Illocality. 
I learned about this book because the poet Joseph Massey was assisting during my first round of taking the course, and it was literally the first book of contemporary poetry I ever bought for myself. I've dabbled in all the traditional poets along the way, but diving into this book was like taking a different kind of breath. This isn't my first time going through it, and I'm sure it will not be my last. The next one on my list is Hollowed Out Lungs by Joel McCarrow and Zoe Boyle. If you're a regular regular listener, you may remember that Joel visited with us a few episodes back and is a force to be reckoned with in the world of spoken word. He is passionate, has a heart as big as the sky, and I encourage you to find his work online if you aren't already familiar with him, because you'll have the gift of hearing his voice and cadence as you read along. The others on my list are The Piece of Wild Things by Wendell Berry, and I think this is my favorite of all of his works, even his fiction works. The Gift, Poems by Hafiz, who is a 14th century Persian poet. His writings effervesce with life and spirit, and I am reminded of the timelessness of the human condition. Then there's Quench by Amy Orazio, another poet who has joined us on the podcast. This first collection of her poetry is filled with incredible imagery and is not one to be quickly read through, but needs to be savored, spread out over time like a precious feast. So good. And lastly, Everything is Waiting for You by David White. He is one of my favorites, and I return to his work over and over and over. That's it for this week on Poet Kind. Make time to find some new poetry to celebrate National Poetry Month and take a minute to share your discoveries with us. Thank you for joining us. And as always, let's continue to compare notes, not compare ourselves. Let's learn and grow together, shall we? Please follow Poet Kind on Instagram and Twitter. That's Poet Kind Podcast, all one word. Join the conversation, message us, and you can connect via email at poetkindpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your ideas, your thoughts, recommendations for guests, your poetry. We want to provide more of what you want to hear. And remember, if you like what you find here, please leave us a review on your preferred listening platform. When you do this, it lets them know we're bringing something good to the table and more people will be able to find us. So until next time, be generative, create the life you long for now, and enjoy the rest of this day. Today is April 16th, 2019, and this is Poet Kind Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Mulder. It's National Poetry Month, and to celebrate, we've been doing something a little different. We like to keep the format a little more simple, read a poem or two, and share some poetry books that are populating my desk this month. With any luck, I'll introduce you to some new poets and maybe share some of your old favorites. As always, I'm so glad you joined me here on Poet Kind today. When thinking ahead about what today's episode would be about, I thought I had it all planned out. Then yesterday, the devastating news of the burning of Notre Dame in Paris stunned me into silence, and I believe it had that effect on quite a few people. There are so many metaphors that could be drawn from this event, but instead of going down that path, I think I'm going to deal with the fact that I just was bewildered by it. The fact that something I have taken for granted would always be there is gone. While it's true that some of the structure still remains and will most likely be rebuilt, 
The essence of the place, its presence, the promise held within the history of its walls, is lost to us forever. Now, I never got to see it in person, though it had been a bucket list um, item until yesterday. I had learned about its architecture, its art historical significance, as well as its place in history as host to the coronation of Henry VI and Napoleon, as the backdrop to the wonderful novel by Victor Hugo, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. But more than those, it was a sacred place. Even though tourists flocked to it, they were side by side with spiritual pilgrims seeking solace and restoration. And after 800 years, this sacred space is gone in the matter of just a few hours. What a strong reminder that we only have so much time. There are only so many opportunities before the irretrievable changes of life and time take their toll, and then we too are gone. One of my granddaughters was here when I first heard of the burning. She's three and was so concerned as to why I was weeping. And I replied as truthfully as I could that I didn't really know why the tears came, but that something important had happened, that something important was gone, would be missed. And now that she and others coming up behind her, they'll never even know how it was originally created. The burning of Notre Dame became tangible evidence of loss in a different way, a sudden recognition of that strange grief called memory. The wistful, faraway look in the eyes of those who've lived in a time and a place that cannot be recaptured. And it's a reminder of just how easy it is to race through our days, filling up that memory space without really paying attention, without really taking in what it is we're leaving behind us until it's too late. And then my sweet little girl put her hands on my cheeks and brought her tiny little face close to mine. Looking in my eyes, she said, It's okay, Mim. I'll build you a new one. Today I'm going to read to you two poems, one from Rilke, titled Untitled, Do You Still Remember? Falling Stars, and one of my own pieces called The Grief Eater's Feast. This is from a new manuscript I'm working on. And a quick program note, the Rilke piece is from the public domain. Untitled, Do You Still Remember Falling Stars? Rilke. Do you still remember falling stars? how they leapt slantwise through the sky like horses over suddenly held out hurdles of our wishes. Did we have so many? For stars innumerable leapt everywhere. Almost every gaze upward became wedded to the swift hazard of their play, and our heart felt like a sing, vast disintegration of their brilliance, and was whole as if it would survive them. The Grief Eater's Feast. One by one she draws the feathers, damp and clinging from between her lips. The pile before her grows, colors mute, thick, sticky saliva pale. As this ritual continues, she gags, slowly swallowing the softest down, the youngest now gone, with blood-soaked cloth, she carefully wipes her mouth, disrobes, curls her bareness fetal around the mound, closes her eyes, 
Duty complete. Here ends the Grief Eater's Feast. Now, to wrap things up, I'm going to share with you five poetry books that I'm currently reading. The first is Sleeping Late on Judgment Day by Jane Mayhall. I think this has to be one of my favorite titles. The very idea of this sounds like something that would happen to me, and it makes me smile. But these works feel solid to me, something that I can hold and turn over and over again while feeling their weight in my palm. Work by Shesla Milos has that same feel to me, and I'm working through Selected and Last Poems, 1931 to 2004. Next comes Poems from the Pond by Peggy Friedberg. This inspires me because she wrote a lifetime of poetry beginning at the age of 90, and she wrote until her death at 107 years old. Proof it's never too late to begin again. Then there's a thin volume by Franz Wright called Walking to Martha's Vineyard. And lastly, James Dickey, Poems 1957 to 1967. This one I've only just begun, but I already know it's not a casual read. These poems require being thought over. Hence, I've not made much of a dent in this one. That's it for today's episode of Poet Kind Podcast. Thank you for spending some time here and for your continued support. And make sure you make time to find some new poetry and celebrate National Poetry Month. If you feel like it, take a minute to share your discoveries with us. And as always, let's continue to compare notes, not compare ourselves. Let's learn and grow together, shall we? Please follow Poet Kind on Instagram and Twitter. That's Poet Kind Podcast, all one word. Join the conversation, message us, and you can connect with us via email at poetkindpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your ideas, your thoughts, recommendations for guests, your poetry. We want to provide more of what it is you want to hear. Remember, if you like what you find here, please consider leaving us a review on your preferred listening platform. When you do this, it lets them know that we're bringing something good to the table and it helps us get seen. So until next time, be generative, create the life you long for now, and enjoy the rest of this day. Today is Tuesday, April 23rd, 2019, and this is Poet Kind. I'm your host, Susan Mulder, and I'd like to welcome you to this week's episode. April is National Poetry Month, and to celebrate, we've been keeping things simple by returning to our roots of reading poetry. Today, I'll be reading two pieces. The first will be an Emily Dickinson poem called Too Much. One of my goals for this year has been to carry poetry with me, and I keep a slim volume of her work within reach so that when I have a free moment, I pick this up instead of my phone, and it helps that the book is about the same size. It's been enlightening to me and kind of scary to recognize just how often I reach for distraction in the form of social media, and this little book has helped me get over some of that. The second will be a piece by Amy Orazio from her book Quench. Amy was a guest here on Poet Kind, and it's fun to showcase work that is so good and comes from someone we know. The piece I'll share from Quench today is called Yell Smoke. Too Much by Emily Dickinson I should have been too glad, I see, 
Too lifted for the scant degree of life's penurious round, my little circuit would have shamed this new circumference, have blamed the homelier time behind. I should have been too saved, I see, too rescued, fear too dim to me, that I could spell the prayer I knew so perfectly yesterday, that scalding one, Sabachthani, recited fluent here. Earth would have been too much, I see, and heaven not enough for me. I should have had the joy without the fear to justify, the palm without the calvary, so Savior crucify. Defeat wets victory, they say. The reefs in old Gethsemane endear the shore beyond. Tis beggars' banquets best define. Tis thirsting vitalizes wine. Faith faints to understand. Yell Smoke by Amy Orazio On an amber still night, to pour is to strike death, clapped in the ribs, whose end the rhythm trailing a grass fire from city to harbor, slippery feet salted as walls, clap to our muskroot flowers, crushed and distilled, carried in a censer to burn the atonement, to burn for the exile's well. This week's list of books comes from what I call my portable section. These are books that migrate around my house or even get carried along when I go places for those random free moments. I mentioned one already, Selected Poems of Emily Dickinson. This is a beautiful little book that I picked up for the sole purpose of keeping with me. And I confess, I was attracted to how it looked and felt more than what was inside. I figured it's Emily Dickinson. I already knew I was gonna like what was in it. It was inexpensive. And I feel good about it getting a little smudged, a little bent, and well used. Next is Langston Hughes. I have one great big book of his work in life, but this is from the Every Man's Library Pocket Poets and is another great grab for on the go. It covers five decades of his work, so you get to experience a broad selection of his work. And it's exactly that, a pocket-sized book that can go with you anywhere you go. Then there's Mary Oliver's A Thousand Mornings. The works in this book are Timeless Oliver, and at roughly 77 pages of poetry, it's a good one to have quickly available. Jane Kenyon's Otherwise is another wonderful volume. Not exactly pocket size, but I always keep this one close at hand too. The poem the book is named for is one of my favorites. The last book is a new one to me, and I admit I'm not too far into it. He Held Radical Light, Art of Faith and the Faith of Art by Christian Wyman, contains both prose and poetry, some of his own and some of my favorites like Donald Hall and Mary Oliver and others, but it was the first line of the jacket flap that grabbed me. What is it we want when we can't stop wanting? So those are my five choices for this week. I hope maybe you'll check them out, find something new, or revisit something familiar. That's it for today's episode of Poet Kind Podcast. Thank you for spending some time here and for your continued support. Make sure you find some time to look up new poetry and to celebrate National Poetry Month. 
Take a minute to share your discoveries with us. We'd love to hear what you've been reading. As always, let's continue to compare notes, not compare ourselves. Let's learn and grow together, shall we? Please follow Poet Kind on Instagram and Twitter. That's Poet Kind Podcast, all one word. And join in on the conversation. Message us. And you can connect via email at poetkindpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your ideas, your thoughts, recommendations for guests, your poetry. We want to provide more of what it is you want to hear. So keep us informed. And remember, if you like what you find here, leave us a review on your preferred listening platform. When you do this, it lets the great gray they know that we're bringing something good to the table, and it also helps us get seen. So until next time, be generative, create the life you long for now, and enjoy the rest of this day. Today is April 30, 2019, and it is the last day of National Poetry Month this year. This is Poet Kind Podcast, and I'm your host, Susan Mulder. If you're new here, welcome. And if you've listened to us in the past, welcome back. We are so grateful you've joined us. We're going to close out National Poetry Month with an interview. Now, most interviews go off without a hitch. I've had two, though, that have had more than their fair of technical glitches, interruptions, and all sorts of gremlins. The fact that these two poets know each other makes these little glitches all the more frustrating and maybe a little embarrassing for me. So insert eye roll here since you can't see me. Jason Crawford, today's guest, is a poet, among other things, and he's been featured in Royal Rose, High Shelf Press, Be Light Filled, and The Knight's Library, which we'll come back to talk a little bit more about later. He also has work forthcoming in The Amistad and in Papamoose, which if you've listened to Poet Kind in the past, you will have heard him read this particular piece, I Will Not Make Pretty of This Death. It was a treat to get a chance to talk with Jason again, so we're going to dive right in. Minutes to find Jason on social media and give him a follow. Say hi. Just a reminder, it's Jason B. Crawford on most platforms, and also consider submitting your work to Knight's Library at knightslibrarymagazine.com. That's Knight with a K. That's it for this week's edition of Poet Kind Podcast. If you're a first-time visitor, welcome. Please let us know what you think. You can do a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform. These reviews are so important to podcasts. They help us move up in the rankings and help us get seen. You can also find us at Poet Kind Podcast, all one word, on Instagram and on Twitter. For now, we keep things simple. No website. We aren't funded in any way and don't have sponsored episodes. We are also fee-free for submissions and love to support poetry, poets, writers, visual artists, basically creatives of all sorts. We are all in this boat together, and I think it's important that we compare notes, not ourselves. Let's support each other with encouragement and applause. We'd love to hear from you. How do you get inspired? What moves you? What moves your work? What keeps you going? And what is it that you do? Share your work with us on social media and email us at poetkindpodcast at gmail.com for a chance to be featured here. If you like what we're doing here, share with your friends on social media and let's bring more good stuff to the world. I believe in being generative, of bringing positive voices and change to the world. Let's build each other up, be a part of those good things. 
I started a hashtag a while back called Create the Life You Long For Now. I use it when I take those steps that scare me a little, push me out of my comfort zone, move me forward, or just bring me joy. So if you're doing work that scares you, and like Eleanor Roosevelt said, you should do one thing every day that scares you, feel free to hashtag Create the Life You Long For Now. Thank you again for being here. Poet Kind wouldn't be here without you. Let's get out there and make something good and enjoy the rest of this day.